0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's a brand new episode. Frank, what movie are we covering today?
1: On Her Majesty's Secret Service.
0: Holy shit! Here we are, guys.
1: It's a it's a mouthful. Every time I like have to type it or say it, I'm just like, like, how do you like make this shorter?
0: O H S <laughs> O H M S S. Yeah, you see, that's not good either. There's no good acronym. <laughs> no, it sucks. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm a. Uh, <laughs> Listen, guys, we got a brand new episode coming out today. I'm AJ in Jersey City. And I'm
1: Frank in Brooklyn.
0: We're coming at you. Today is kind of a fun episode, and it's a fun installment in our Bond uh, sweeping series. And then this is the one and only take of the infamous George Lazenby, um, which I had never seen. And frankly, I'm like, you know, I I hated it. Frank, what did you think? (laughs)
1: Um, yeah. So is he really infamous? Like, is this, is this movie? I always thought that this movie was like well received. And like, when I look at some of the top, like the lists of like the best Bond movies, like I always see this more in like the top half. Okay. Which okay. Is so I have this to me.
0: So I think it's, it also has to do with Lazenby the man mm. apart from his James Bond portrayal. Um, he was okay so here's some trivia 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 that you can find online that's not spoilers that we're going to cover in the first part so here it goes george Lazenby hears that they're recasting for a new james bond after they've sent out a casting call um you know in U- the uk that they're looking for a new james bond as the last outing for sean connery was supposed to be you only live twice at a certain point um, they're looking to do this new bond and cover the, uh, 10th Ian Fleming book on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is a really awesome, well-received book from, you know, the Fleming Uh, and Broccoli and Saltzman are like, let's do this. Lazenby, who is a used car salesman from Australia, okay, <laughs> who is a hand model at best, at best <laughs> in Europe walks in to the offices for Eon Productions in a Connery haircut and a Connery suit and tells Saltzman, I'm your new James Bond. So Saltzman is like, "Mm, no. And they meet Peter King, who's about to direct the next movie, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. So they make Lazenby do a battery of tests. Lazenby, you know, he does some acting tests. He does some photos. He also uh, does a action test where he breaks the nose of the Russian wrestler stunt guy they have on set for that day. Oops. <laughs> that day. Yeah, big fucking oops, Frank. <laughs> come on, man. Are you? who? Are, come on. You think of a worse guy to piss off. Ultimately, it was okay. And Saltzman said that day that they're going to go with him. All right. Solely based on that. He jumps in. And now he's, you know, the full, he's going to be the new James Bond. And I'm assuming it's because they couldn't figure out a deal with Connery and that they, you know, let him go. They were also looking for this new Bond. And ultimately, why he was replaced is because Lazenby was a dick on set. He was super uptight. He was a total asshole to everybody, the cast and crew. And, like, what we know from the uh, previous Bond movies we've discussed on this podcast is that the Bond crew and, like, that family of characters and, you know, assistant directors and stunt managers and these different dudes are all part, and the, the special effects guys, they're all a part of the Bond family. And it's very important that you are, like, beloved by these people. Hmm. And he was a total asshole to all of them. And throughout the set, would delay shit, they had a big party. And uh, they had just finished a big thing, and they had a big party that night. And Barbara Broccoli is there, and, you know, Saltzman there, and Cubby Broccoli is there, and uh, fucking Lazenby is super-duper motherfucking late. And he shows up. And he's like, oh, you know, I do not know you guys, you know, wanted me to be here, you know. I didn't know if I got, like, an invitation for this party. You know, why would I, you know, I didn't get an invitation. How am I supposed to know what was going on? <laughs> and, like, Broccoli shows up and eviscerates him in front of the whole casting crew and is like, listen, motherfucker, we make Bond. You are being made Bond by me. Huh. You can be replaced. All right? Don't fuck with me. And he had disagreements with uh, the director, Peter King, and he was trying to make Bond into a more flowery character and, like, you know, be more, you know, progressive with the Times. There's an interview he did with the BBC um, where he's talking about putting in, you know, more pop music, that he didn't like the way the music was done in these James Bond movies, and that he felt like he was a piece in a machine and that he was a cog in a, you know, you know, a cog in the wheel, which is definitely true. Yeah, right. Definitely. Like, he's... He's definitely, you know, a part of this ongoing, you know, corporation that is looking to turn out the next Bond product for the world. And that's really all he's necessary for. And especially at the time, right, like you've already
1: had like five movies with Sean Connery and like it's just that's all they've known. And so they're going for a formula They're like this is what works. We're going to do this. And not until later on, like when you actually have some other actors in the role like are they able to really like make their own impact on it the thing that's interesting to me though is that like you know how many 40 years later it's like well we they don't like brush him under the rug he's like part of the legacy right that's kind of you know it's interesting to me that they had such a bad falling out because think about things like you know edward norton being replaced by mark ruffalo or like Uh, Don Cheadle replacing um, what's his face Uh, in Iron Man. Like, you know, it's just Terrence uh, Howard, Terrence Howard. Yeah. Like those, those guys are just like, yep, they, we don't really remember them anymore. (laughs) Like we don't talk about those guys. And so like Lazenby here, he's like a part of the, the big box set. Like this movie is still canon and everything. And I, it's surprising, especially like, you know, after just watching the Dalton movies where it's like, yep he did too. we decided to move on and go in a different direction but like we very much are like presenting these as a part of our like repertoire you know
0: no for i feel you do you think though that when you watch this movie that like he was doing like a bond like impersonation like do you think like he was convincing to you as bond
1: i feel like he was putting on his best sean connery like to me that's kind of the vibe and maybe it's been long enough that if we had just watched like all the sean connerys maybe i would disagree but to my memory it feels more in line with that than anything else we've recently just watched um but like yeah i don't really feel like he brings a whole lot to it it also kind of just feels like alternate universe like in a world if there was like (laughs) everything shook out a different way this is the bond that we could have had but
0: Uh, No, that's true. And it it kind of feels like the thing I was thinking is like Christian Bale is, you know, a British guy playing Batman, you know, like why should we be, you know, so defensive about where these guys come from? Um, I, 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 I felt less about that. And I more just resented Lazenby as a person because then I think what's really cool about what they did together as, as a collaborative was that uh you know our our guy uh, John Glenn, the assistant director and editor of this movie, is really doing all the action scenes. So you could see how he's like rising through the ranks, and he puts out two pretty action-packed movies in the last movies we just saw. Yeah, you totally. know. So like, I was more like following that narrative of like, look at look at where these guys are going, and I think what's cool about this movie, which stands out, is really the Bond girl. Played by Diana Rigg, who is like Lady Olena. Yeah, like, the Queen of Thorns. Isn't that Lawrence? nuts? It's
1: so awesome. I was like, Isn't that nuts? I was like, Megan, do you know who that is? And she's like, No, I was like, it's the Queen of Thorns, <laughs> Lady Olena. It's like, oh my god, like
0: you could totally see it. And she's like smoking hot too. Like, damn. She's smoking hot in this movie. Oh my god. And she plays the like the first real feminist Bond. There's good interviews with her in the BBC. You know, talking about, you know, the, you know, the feminist movement going on at that time, you know, how people were, you know, they were major protests in 1969, (laughs) major shit. So it was super cool to kind of see her play that up. She also is definitely the most fleshed out Bond girl. Like if you think about all of the ways that they put her together, you know, at that time, she's really a standout character.
1: Yeah. I feel like I I don't want to say too much more about her, but without getting into spoilers um, for a movie that came out in the sixties.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So to me, like this feels like a lot of where Austin powers kind of comes from, which is appropriate, but it's also like the, you know, this movie is, is uh, I think it's epic and I think it, it does have some really awesome locations, and it was very inspirational to uh, Steven Soderbergh and I think Christopher Nolan based on the crazy explosions you have at Pizgaloo, I think it's called. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think we're ready to get into spoilers. Um, you know, overall, like, you're gonna wanna, you're going to want to watch this movie, but I think the difference between this and License to Kill – is that I think uh, License to Kill borders on a fun romp of, like, ridiculousness, and I think this just gets too bogged down in, like, the shitty effects and, like, a, and the slower pacing and, like, the shittier content mm. that it doesn't, like, it doesn't pay off as much.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I, I will say that I, I do think it is overly long. I mean, again, this is a movie from, like, the 60s, and this length is totally in line with what you would see then and uh but and the pacing for sure but there is definitely like i'm like you could have just cut 20 minutes out right there and just threw it out and be no worse for wear um and then maybe that would have improved things but um yeah i mean i i think as early as this one is in the the bond uh canon uh they're they're not trying to take as many risks as as they were say on license to kill where they can really do something totally different like yeah
0: it was cool to watch them back to back because you see his marriage referenced in license to kill and then you see his marriage in this one spoiler alert
1: spoiler alert
0: all right so ladies and gentlemen we've talked about everything we can we can without spoiling the movie now listen we're not saying that you know you you Listen, this podcast you could probably listen to without having to watch the movie. But what I will say is that if you miss the movie, you're not taking part in like the actual like contributions of what they're trying to do here. I think if this this movie is a great Bond montage, mm. I think if you were to like take the moments out of this movie into a montage, it makes it much much cooler and like and celebrates the epicness of the way. It's shot and the way it's lit and and the cool effects that they did. Um, it's not a perfect
1: montage. It's missing a few key things. And I think oh, we'll get for there.
0: oh for sure for Shizzle. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, and three, two, one. We're gonna do spoilers, and spoilers are happening now. Three, two, one. Great spoilers, Frank. Yeah. <sighs> All right.
1: So, is there like one defining thing for you that? that attributes like to why you didn't like this movie or is it just like an amalgamation of so many things?
0: Yeah, I think it's more of an amalgamation. I just find that like, so like at every, at every moment, I, I think the beginning of this movie, like the opening sequence, it's not so revealing. Like it just kind of happens. It plays out. It does start out in the way I was like intrigued in, in the way that like tomorrow never dies opens in that you're experiencing Bond's actions through his team. And I kind of like that. I like when you see what he's doing and the people responding to what he's doing elsewhere, and you're just kind of watching what he's doing from beyond our point of, you know, seeing his... Yeah, you don't
1: see his face for a few minutes or maybe... Yeah, I like that. I was intrigued by that. It adds to the mystery. And um, I think especially here where it's like, this is the first one with a new Bond, Like, you got to kind of... You know. Put yeah, the we got to break
0: into it. Yeah. yeah, and when you get to the point where, um, you know, he's he's pulling the girl out of the water, and you're like, okay, well, all right, well, this girl's wearing some interesting clothing. Like, all right, and he's got this girl, and he says, "Hi, I'm Bond, James Bond," and then he fights these two dudes, and she gets away, and he grabs the slipper, and he breaks the fucking fourth wall, Deadpool style. And says this wouldn't happen to the other fellow, and it's just like mm. I'm like hard pass. <laughs> I, yeah, I died. I was like, this is. The, I I cannot believe they did that. And I'm like, no, I, I no, <laughs> swipe le- swipe left, no. <laughs> well,
1: no. and so like you know, in our analysis of all these movies, we're constantly debating: is James Bond a name? Is it a code name? Blah blah blah. And like here, it makes it so muddy because he's almost recognizing that fact that it's like, no, I'm not Sean Connery. You can see that.
0: Well, I think it's, it works on the two levels. Cause it works on, you know, Cinderella yeah, and it works on the bond level. And I, I feel that. And like, I feel that also in the sense that it foreshadows that he's going to marry her and that like, she's the one. Sure. Um, yeah. That's cool. But, but but it, I just think that the whole level of anxiousness and tension and fun that is a Bond opening is just, like, so shot to shit here.
1: Thrown out the window. And, And, yeah. I think this is, like, one of those prime things that it's, like, breaking the fourth wall. That is one of those things that happened in an Austin Powers movie. It's, like... totally Record scratch. What?
0: What? So, okay... I do like the opening credit sequence. I think it's actually really great. Can I ask you? Did you think that the score was reminiscent to Casino Royale at all? Uh,
1: kind of. I mean, I appreciated that it had this movie had its own theme, um, and I. enjoyed I enjoyed the theme, and, like, obviously, the, the opening sequence doesn't have, like, a song, per se. Like, I don't know when that gets introduced. It must be sometime in the Roger So it's Mark-
0: used—yeah, it's used throughout the—well, uh, It well, no, they had, you know, Goldfinger. True. They, ha- they had it early on, but now uh, <clears throat> they had uh, Louis Armstrong. It's actually his last recording he did before he died. Right, but that's, like, more in the middle of the movie— Right, and they had it played, you know, uh instrumentally throughout the piece whenever they were together. And I like that song. Yeah, I thought so I thought it was cool too. I appreciated that as well. I think it it's the opening sequence, but it's also like he's dubbed for so much of this movie. Did you know that? Like whenever he's playing the um, the uptight Briggleby character, the uh, the the you know the genealogist guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's dubbed. And well,
1: they... it could be ADR.
0: No, it's not ADR. It's some other dude. Some other dude is it's doing the voiceover. Yeah, the guy who did the original voice in that scene where he meets him for the first time. He uh-huh. he that guy is doing the dubbed voice for Lazenby because they knew his voice was shit.
1: Oh my god. <laughs>
0: So when you're watching, you're like, you mm-hmm, know, his, his voice. Okay, so I like the scenes. I like the locations. I thought that they, you know, used a lot of cool ideas, but I didn't like the way that they tackled Blofeld in this movie, mm. which I get is, like, interesting because if you think of Blofeld in the books and the way that he's described as he able to get – you know, cosmetic surgery and changes appearance and you know really look different at different points in time. Um it, you know, well, this guy I'm just so- behaves totally different from the guys we've seen before. Yeah. And his motivation and the like the whole idea of it is so convoluted and crazy, you know, that like it's like a bad joker expo- exponent. You know what I right. mean? It's like a Jared Leto. Thing. I think
1: to me like i really liked telly salabas savalas 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 i really liked him as an actor i think he's a great villain but like they could have just been like he's not blofeld they could but obviously at the time it didn't matter people didn't care um but like looking back on it it's like wait a second don't we meet blofeld beforehand uh, <laughs> a yeah, for sure for sure. Yes, that happens. And uh he looks a lot different and Bond meets him like here in this movie they're meeting for the first time what it seems like. It's it's really strange. But like if they could have just said, "Oh, this is a different guy." Great. Then you just you just let go of that. And maybe maybe we're so tied to continuity now that it means more to us, but
0: Well, it, um, no, that's not what I'm getting at. I think what I'm saying is that uh like his portrayal and like the motivations that they set up, like it's at that point, you're already like what, like an hour and 45 into the movie when he's setting up his master plan with the allergies and the wiping out the crops and the vaccine vaccines. I sound like Bill Cosby. Um, (laughs) Like it's too, you know, he's, it's so crazy. Like, come on, man. Like, so, okay. So you're going to have this microwave emitter. Ride on the subway, the L train in Gotham, and it's gonna blow up all the the lines at the exact same time and go to the main water hub. Get the fuck out of here. That's not gonna happen, man. You can't figure all that shit out. Um, I don't know. I thought it was like, it was a shittily executed and shittily like, you know, developed or like mentioned plot. Yeah. And like maybe like that's what I think. So what they did say is that Patrick King, the guy who's directing this movie. He's trying to stick as close as possible to the book the whole time. Okay. And when he's doing that, I think he's really more focusing on the love story even though that's really spread out um and in doing so, like runs over you know kind of the full development, also like the like all the genealogy and like the coat of armsness of it, like how the fuck? It's, it's so not yeah, interesting.
1: That's all weird to me. Like the idea that, okay, the re- the reason that we're getting introduced to him is by this, this guy that, well, so Blofeld is trying to state claim to, to being the, what, like the Baron or something uh, of somewhere. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and by, and he, it's like, Oh, look at my earlobes. <laughs> like, I do not, stuff. I do
0: not have these earlobes as you can see cut
1: those off like but well, i think actually do they don't they say that like oh you could have gotten them removed or whatever but yeah it's such a convoluted way of like bond tracking him down and getting to meet him but like i feel like the movie kind of picks up once they're at the like lodge place it, do- it does
0: um, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't
1: it doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't for sure. Yo, because... the
0: scene where the fucking... Okay, there's a scene where Bond is going back. So so at this point, Diana Rigg is out of the picture. The count, the uh, courtesan, is that what she is at this point? The countess? Countess, yeah. Countess, she's now... She's out of the picture for a small portion. And in doing so, when Bond goes up to Pizcaloo to be at the cool, you know, mountaintop thing for the... Uh, you know, allergic people, Um, he's shagging these bitches. Oh, yeah. He and he... Multiple in one night. <laughs> multiple in one night. Both of them interrupted by this crazy hypnotic, you know, sleep weirdness, Um, which, you know, ultimately, I just thought was a shitty plan and, like, I guess played on people's fears at the time of, like, LSD and the power of suggestion and all that crap. No, but I, I also... I
1: probably f- also, like, uh, Soviet Union and like, mind control, mind yeah, control and stuff like that. Yeah, I didn't hate it. Hate it. No. I, I hated the idea that they're like, oh, that psychologically we can convince them that they're not allergic to chicken, but it's not all psychological. It's like it's mostly not psychological, actually. <laughs> like
0: you know, it just, and it just felt felt like Blofeld himself was like way too involved in like this whole activity like this was his like pet project like this is his like ultimate dream like allergies
1: well (laughs) like the other thing though like on the flip side of that i appreciated that he was actually more involved like he got on the skis and was chasing after bond like when was the last time you saw like the the bad guy the real big bad like doing the dirty work like that like they're fighting each other in in a, a fucking bobsled <laughs> like
0: uh, yeah that's also that's horrible that aged terribly and like i get that it's like it's of the times like it probably looked super cool or like made for a very intense inviting sequence but to me it just looks like so stupid and not, like, you know, based in any sort of reality, and I was just kind of waiting for it to end. I fast-forwarded through it. Seriously? Like, I just, yeah. I, I didn't care. The music is not super exciting at that point in time. They've already done so much of that whole chase sequence that when they finally get to the bobsleds and it looks like the, you know, Batman TV show. <laughs> like, come on. Well,
1: but that's that's what I'm saying, man. Like, you got to, like... Forgive some of the the stuff from The Times. Like, they don't have the... But it's
0: James Bond. He's shooting flames out the back of the ultralight. He's in a fucking jetpack. He's in a car underwater. You know? Like, at least make it look, you know, believable. And yes, at The Times, it was cool. I, I get that that's what they did. It was the standard. But, like, I think today... And the way that uh, we set up action sequences is we don't pile them up on top of each other for the excess of it. I think you have to really have the story, you know, lead the, the stunts. And that's what they did in all these Craig movies we just watched. And that's where you see it really play out in a different way. Whereas now, like, you're seeing, you know, all these stunts that they did... And all these different teams kind of functioning together, um, but not, you know, achieving kind of a harmonious peace. You know, it's so disjointed and episodic. It feels like two Bond movies. That I could see.
1: I mean, it it does have... uh, Yeah, it does kind of feel like two Bond movies. Like, the the first half where, um, like, you you know, he's meeting with her father, and there's, like, a bit with, like, him playing... um, what is he playing cards wise? Ba- you- He's playing Baccarat. He is playing Baccarat. Like, so um...
0: Baccarat is, is a French game that you play for very high stakes. You can play it around, you know, Vegas, I'm sure still at, at different places. Uh, it's very, it was very popular at the time. Baccarat is actually the game they used in Casino Royale uh, in the book. In the, right. in the yeah. book. Um, and in the movie, you know, uh, Texas, you know, hold'em poker is what was very popular in the mid two thousands. Thus, why we got that Casino right. Royale.
1: But yeah, so I mean, you have everything with her father and like the the horses and like just like the whole complicated.
0: Yeah, the horses that... was the horses was a weird moment in it. You know, but, like why did we need that scene? Like, like what does that really set up? Like, what does Bond learn at that at that point in time? You know. Well,
1: I mean, I think what it does is it sets up this, like, sequence, of, like which I kind of appreciated in that, like, you see Bond and Tracy, like, having a relationship, and it's it, it yeah. stretches out over time, and you see, like, them doing a bunch of things, and it's like, you know, in other Bond movies, when he, like, quote-unquote falls in love with the Bond girl, like, it, it just is so quick. Like, here, you believe that they've spent a lot of time together, and, like... That he's not about just taking the guy's money to marry her, and by the end, you really feel like they they've bonded again. Um,
0: <laughs> right, um, but the again the love story definitely leads this uh, movie narrative, and I think that that part is very successful. It's almost like a Bond love story, like it's a different kind of flavor movie for me in that respect. Yeah, you know, but what I I think that they um, you know, kind of why they need to go with, uh, you know, Lazenby on this is because you need somebody who can kind of relate to a woman and the way that, you know, Connery is to women in these movies, as we will see is pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that definitely using him as a change and kind of setting up, uh, you know, c- kind of not the total damsel in distress and not the total, you know, helpless victim, that we will probably come to see in the movies we're about to watch with Roger Moore. Uh, but also, you know, somewhere, you know, more evolved than what Connery could do. Cause I think that, you know, I'm also curious to see what we see in diamonds are forever. Cause I've heard that that's a big backslide that a lot of people don't like that movie either. Hmm. Um, yeah. Right.
1: And correct. I don't know. On, but on last week's, we were, we were alluding to never say never again, which is a non-canon film. That's the remake of Thunderball. But, Diamonds Are Forever is is kind of a different plot altogether. Um,
0: yeah, it's a whole entirely different movie.
1: Um, all right. So we've kind of touched on the plot. We've talked about Tracy. We've talked about Blofeld. Um, I liked, like, I, again, I've talked before about how I love Snow in a Bond movie But this almost Overdid it for me Like we had The
0: skiing Two so
1: complete skiing. skiing sequences And it's, like And the
0: skiing sequences Are so long
1: They're really long The skiing sequences Are like them,
0: Like 7 to 10 minutes And you're just <laughs> sitting there Watching these people Fucking ski I can't fucking ski. And every time I tried to snowboard, I broke my arm. So what the fucking fuck am I watching these people's fucking ski for? And like, and like, I get it. Lazenby won many skiing medals when he was in Australia. because He's a super skier, but like fuck skiing and everybody who goes skiing, fuck that whole sport. And I don't really need to see bond ski ever again. I hope that, I hope that we we did. (laughs) Right, um, but I hope it's done. there's no more skiing I don't like know.
1: that. Like the
0: skiing is canceled, and then fucking Bond universe, no more skiing. Anyway, um, like the skiing is canceled. The, but I one
1: one thing I really liked, uh, which precedes the skiing, was his uh, <laughs> escape of from the the the, sh- the cell <laughs> we're gonna put you in a predicament that he's easily gonna escape <laughs> <laughs> with one an no,
0: yeah um, what an card and uh, you know he's easily gonna yes I, I thought that was cool agree.
1: with the whole like uh him being trapped in the room that controls the uh the ski lift and how he was able to he kind of failed at first and he got out like that was that's cool. like
0: that's a very impressive scene. It's shot really well. You know, you see the whole story narrative play out through the action. I love when he's, you know, you see the the thing coming towards him and what he's going to do with his hands, and he jumps. Um, the guy who's doing that has hooks uh, in in the gloves ah. that allowed him to hang on. Um, yeah. I And Lazenby was also very active and wanted to do a lot of the stunts in this movie too, similar to Craig. In that, like he and Dalton, Dalton, that like he wanted to be involved. Um, I love the idea that it could have been Timothy Dalton in this movie. Yeah, you mentioned I think that he a few episodes ago. Like... I think it, I think he would have killed it in this movie. He would have killed it in this movie, it would set up like ten Bond movies. Think about that. Like if he had done it, he could have been Bond for so long, and he would have had like this cool rain, and he would have been awesome. Well, uh, we probably I don't never know.
1: would have had Roger Moore then.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, hmm right, you're right. Meow, meow, because, it, meow, but, I
1: mean, the thing is, even if he was uh, Bond uh, in 1969, doesn't mean that he would be not Bond until 1989. He could have probably had, you know, some sort of stint and ended no, for sure. in the 80s or something. But that, yeah, it is interesting to me that, you know, they were looking and they... Ended up going with him later.
0: So, okay, Frank, like, you think this is, like, a good movie? Like, you wa- you watch this whole movie awake and watching it being like, oh, yeah, I like this. Oh, yeah, I'm into it. Oh, yeah, this is good. I mean, I liked it enough,
1: and I feel like, well, so I watched it the day after I watched License to Kill. So it was like, for me, I, I don't know if I've watched them all that close together, um, and so it was just like, "Ugh, license to Kill" was like a really weird movie. This feels like bond to me. This feels like, you know, it's a little bit dated. Like some of the, the, the references and like in the, <laughs> we were just dying at the, in the end credits where it's like Asian woman, like black woman, this, like they were just like all yeah. racial stereotypes. I'm like, this is really bad. And like, when, uh, Tracy's dad, like punches her and just knocks her out. Like what?
0: Like there's so many
1: things in it that are really horrible, but like, I, I, I enjoyed his performance enough that like, I believed he was bond. I feel like the plot was kind of fine. Um, and it, you know, I understood what was going on. I, I liked Blofeld. I think maybe that's kind of the big difference. Um,
0: I and. liked him too. I did. I really did. I really liked him. I But I thought he went a weird way. Like, it, it, to me, it felt like, it felt to me like kind of how, uh, you know, when you watch the movie Seven, and throughout the whole movie Seven, you're like, what the fuck does this guy look like? And you watch it, and you're like, oh shit, it's going to be crazy. And then you almost see him in that one part in the movie, and then when you finally see him in the police station, and it's Kevin Spacey, it's like... Oh, this this fucking guy, like this is the fucking dude, and like you're like this is his plan, like he this guy's an idiot at that point in the movie, right? To me, that's how it felt a little bit like with you know Telly, Terry Telly Savalas's portrayal of Blofeld in that like, first of all, I would have loved to have seen him in more movies. I think that would have been cool, and like if he kept coming back, like I, I would have been down for that too. But it also felt like this guy is the head of Spectre. And, you know, his major intrigue to stop the world is to be on the top of this mountain in Sweden with these 12 super hot women. Mm. I mean, it sounds fabulous, but also, I mean, does this sound like a plan that's going to work long term? No. <laughs> like, how yeah. does you, how is he going to satisfy these 12 women
1: you know, for that I, long? I think the thing it's is, like, like... It's hard to m- do. Maybe for me, it's like... He really almost feels like Doctor Evil. Like
0: it's very Doctor Evil because like you're like oh okay like okay so instead of like going after nuclear weapons or you know nuclear power plants or creating some kind of you know secret corporation like he's just like no nah, like you know I'm doing these algae experiments you know it's really <laughs> great you know I got these ladies they all volunteered so it's, fi- it's fine and they're hanging out you know it's real cool it's not like a harem at all and you know what. We are not into blending in, you know. We're not doing the uniforms anymore, okay? So they can all dress in their culturally, you know, uh representative, you know, uh stereotypical dresses that I have picked out for them. And they seem to be pretty cool with it. Nobody's revolted just yet. Also, if you watch what they eat, you're like, "Oh shit, like pretty that racist." That was a weird
1: sequence. <laughs> they're really
0: focusing on them eating. Um <laughs> meanwhile meanwhile james bond 007 is sitting in a crushed blue velour suit in a kilt with a cravat and he that is where they get the inspiration for the awesome power suit that is where it comes from they couldn't even do the fucking kilt in austin powers because that's too crazy for mike myers okay
1: I thought it was cool you know no
0: the the <laughs> the kilt is weird, and he's playing this super weird guy. The whole sequence with the lipstick on the leg is very, it's very uh, immature for Bond. Bond, mm. I think, is a little bit more sophisticated than you know, t- uh, doing this con artist thing at a dinner party where he's you know getting lipstick written on his inner thigh by a twenty-year-old like. Bond is better than that in my book. But, like,
1: he had no control over that. This is the, the, the situation is. Sure, that nah, he, he always here.
0: has control. He's James Bond. He can always do anything that he needs to do. I, I think he's, this, this guy is, like, inexperienced. He's not as... He doesn't... Even he's 29. He's the youngest guy to ever play Bond. He is a... You know, he doesn't represent... Even though he is representative of the other Bonds who came before him when you see the desk clearing out sequence and the whole money penny part which is where they should have started the movie that's where the movie should have started mm-hmm. like okay like but a bing <laughs> you know uh and then it saves so much stuff because uh, his scenes with m are counterproductive i want to do this thing no okay well let's waste four minutes you know and do this whole bullshit and then he gets off instead of being uh you know resigning from the thing and Money Penny's there. And he's flirting with Money Penny, and then he's cleaning out his desk, and he finds all the cool shit that we've seen from the other movies. And you're like, oh, okay, so he is the other dudes, and those other dudes are experienced, and this guy just plays it, plays stupid, you know. And I don't think that he, if he also, if he had seen these other blow uh, at the other point, like why wouldn't they know each other?
1: You're, that's what I'm saying. I feel like you're thinking too much into it. Like they are. He already broke the fourth wall at the start of the movie. Like he's saying. I'm not Sean Connery. I'm I'm a different guy. I'm not... I don't know Blofeld. Like, I don't know. I, okay. The, the continuity of all of James Bond doesn't make sense. So, like, to nitpick on it here doesn't feel fair. I think, like, you have those little things as references, and it's kind of cool because this is, like, what, the sixth movie? And... Um, I don't know. I mean I I, I guess maybe because I they're... like
0: I like Sean Connery more than I like this imitation of Connery. Oh no shit. Of course. You know, like of and course. i think of course I'm that, not saying that he's like my you know, favorite when you, Bond, but No, for sure. And in but like the, the whole time it's just like him pretending to be. Yeah. It's it's not him, you know, he's not an actor. He doesn't okay. know what the fuck to do.
1: I'm gonna quote you. <laughs> in 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 the past you have said that a lot of times the first Bond entry for an actor is where they're kind of, you know, learning from what's been done before and the second time they really get to come into their own. Paraphrasing. I feel like yeah. you said that for like Daniel Craig and for Pierce Brosnan, Timothy Dalton. So like, if George Lazenby got another shot out at the at Bond, we maybe would have seen him do more of his own. But because the only Bond that had existed so far was Sean Connery, that's what he did. And I don't think you can fault him for that. I don't, th- and I think that the direction was probably like you need to be as much like Sean Connery as possible because we don't want to change it, it for the audiences; they'll freak out.
0: Do you think that the choices that they make in this movie and how the plot develops is like, you know, is that the way you like a movie to like unravel? Like, I think that the movies that we like kind of coming off the plots that we've discussed, like, they usually have a more straightforward plot. And I think this movie's plot is, like, very... It's not so... It, it's... The ultimate plan is super stupid. And, like, everything that leads up to that is also stupid. I do like that he's resigning. It's very similar to Timothy Dalton. And you even have, in the special features, Timothy Dalton calling back to Diana Reed. Um, I don't know. I just feel like this guy... He's just not my bond, and I don't like the movie that he's in like I don't like the story maybe I want to go read the books like mm-hmm. maybe that's like the next thing I want to do I have to read all these you know I have, to, I have so many books I gotta read yeah. I just I guess so many
1: i i focus I was able to focus more on the 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 romance story and you know I feel like by the end of it like spoilers like we've already dropped it like the fact that because bond doesn't catch. Blofeld, he comes back and kills his new wife. Like that's like devastating. That's, that's super sad because you've seen them go through this, you know, romance arc throughout the movie. Even if he was like womanizing in the middle, like they have, you know, a really good bond. And she like, you know, she had some action scenes, where She like drove the car and, and like,
0: Um, she's great she's the redeeming quality and she's the the long lasting legacy because i think henceforth bond girls will change and i think that she definitely marks the first time where they're using a big name actress who Mm -hmm. is you know super successful and can hold her own and you know kind of changes the game um in the all the movies we've seen thus far i don't think any of the maybe with the exception of world Not enough like everybody else like these actresses are super competent and like they are yeah. holding their own. They are not total damsels in distress the entire time. Yeah. Um, so you got to credit that where credit is due. I mean, it's like an important piece of it. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's like my least favorite episode of Seinfeld, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in that, like, I don't know. It's still let's Seinfeld. Talk, let, but let's like... talk about that. So like there's an episode of Seinfeld called the old man. This is And, like, the sign cast guys don't like it either, but, like, I also hate it because of that. Uh, Jason Alexander hates the Briss. Uh, what's my least favorite episode? I don't know. Um, I think there's a uh, episode called the Puerto Rican Day that is just, like, a really, you know, it's... It uses all of, like, their fake names, and, like, they, like, burn a Puerto Rican flag, and it's, like, a... It's never aired on TV. Uh, it's a pre- it's a, it's a pretty like one of their like more raunchier like shittier episodes where they like didn't have any ideas, and like all the jokes are super stale. And you know, you have Maroon Golf. I don't know, maybe yeah. That's one so of it's these like
1: when when you're talking about your favorite thing, there's always going to be like within it.
0: Like, yeah, like there's going to be shitty things that you're going to be like, oh, this is gross. Like I can still appreciate that, like. It's cool that Q shows up. They have Bernard Lee as M again, you know, like there's cool thing, you know, he also gets married. I like that he get what as soon as he gets married and the girl dies. I like that ending a lot. I think yeah. that that's a very cool way to end a
1: Bond movie. It's very, you know, it, it com- compares a lot to Casino Royale, right? Like totally. Like totally. That, he at least I mean if they didn't make that movie back in the 60s, you've got that sort of theme of like I don't know. I can't speak to the book. I don't know if he has like a love interest like he does in the the one now with Daniel Craig, but that theme of like an extreme loss and then like motivates him to move forward and and kind of change who he is. But what will we see in the next one is going to be like a total, (laughs) total different thing, I think. Well, yeah, they do reference Tracy later on.
0: They do. We just saw it. Uh, It's also cool that Um, you know, I think it's interesting, like, I'll say this, I think it's interesting that for this movie, the take on Bond is totally different and comes from a completely different angle. And like, they were trying to be, they were trying to do something different. And like, if you have to credit them for trying to do the things that they did, like, ultimately great things come out of this movie with where John Glenn got to be and, you know, how they evolved uh, the movies going forward, uh, but you know we had to kind of do this. So you want to get to ratings? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Oh my God, it's gonna be a total be brutal. brutal, massacre. It's gonna be brutal, man. All
1: right. So we start with the opening sequence always, as we do, and we talked about the opening sequence already.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna. I gave this a solid two. There's no <laughs> major stunt. It's a car stupid chase. The introduction is lame sauce too
1: i gave it a four four is bad in my book Um, okay and i hated the fourth wall breaking um and i don't really think it like yeah there's no stunt there's no big action set piece and it doesn't really give you any indication of what's going on with the plot and like the whole like her trying to swim into the ocean and kill herself like Doesn't really come up later. Like, why did they do that? (laughs) Why did she do that? What was her, what was she trying to escape? Exactly.
0: Plot. Four. This movie is incomprehensible. He's got to get, he wants to get Blofeld. He resigns. He goes to find Blofeld. He meets up with a warlord who needs to uh, marry off his daughter. Bond declines to marry the daughter, but says he'll meet at the daughter anyway. Goes falls in love with the daughter, leaves the daughter, goes to a different uh, location now that he's identified what uh, Blofeld is up to, encounters a allergy research laboratory on the top of a mountain, which is being used to create vaccines and vaccinations for all different kinds of horrible diseases and plights that Blofeld intends to unleash upon the world from top his base and using his, you know, super powered Manchurian candidate women. Boom. Way too much. (laughs) Way too much. Okay. I appreciate what Frank said about Blofeld becoming more involved in the action, but I also felt like Lix Luther doesn't do that for Frank, you gave it a six. Where are you on that?
1: I mean, it's, I I think uh, I, I I was interested in the, the kind of biological, terrorism aspect of it i thought that was kind of different um i and the mind control was kind of interesting but um yeah just getting there it it, like i said it's too long and so to me there's a whole sequence like you said before with skiing that like they they did two seeing sequences they could have cut it out and you wouldn't have missed anything Um, and then there's this whole weird bit when they're like at that barn house and they like start to like he that's when he like proposes to her and like oh i'm not gonna have sex with you because i just had sex with two other women uh no let's do it anyway like the and, like the fact that she shows up when she does is so weird like they I, I don't feel like they were able to connect all the dots where they were supposed to
0: no they definitely couldn't and you know they just were throwing shit out there all right let's talk about the gadgets queue in the car Um, that's absent from this movie pretty much they're trying to go in a different direction by saying that bond is going to solve this on his own um and that's fine but i think that the way we've seen bond do that in living daylights and license to kill is you're seeing him kind of you know really take charge and i like the way that uh say that what you will about timothy dalton but he he exerts his you know uh his ability to foil the plans of his enemies and his physical ability to be a, uh, a heel to his, you know, the villains. Yeah. You know? And I, I like that about the way he does that there. This movie could have benefited from one cool, subtle gadget or <laughs> one cool car. And yeah. I think, and it just, it doesn't have it at or very much Q and, and he was in the prime of his years. Why are we, yeah. Why are he, we retiring so early?
1: And I think maybe, maybe more, but I feel like it's one and he doesn't do anything. And, uh, I, it's kind of interesting. Like he uses like, um, like a stick or something. Like he uses the things in his room to break out of his room, which is kind of a cool, like resourceful bond. And he also like breaks, rips his pockets to be like gloves. Definitely. Like, that's kind of cool that he's using his resources around him. But, yeah, I could have used a, at least a cool little watch or something. to something, He
0: needed something or a tracker or whatever. Um, all right, moving on. Bond Girls, eight. I mean, she's easily one of the best Bond Girls ever. I mean, all right. So if we're giving Michelle Yeoh an eight, I mean, this girl, like, is definitely – I'm going to change my score. I'm going to give her a nine. Hmm. Um, and then uh, you gave her an eight. Um, I mean, she's – I mean – I mean, this is like kind of one of the cooler things about learning about Bond is like, you kind of see where things come from and how they evolved and changed the formats of the characters and the formulas of the movies. And this is a big game changer. So yeah, yeah Diana I, Rigg.
1: I loved her. I think she's great. Um, it's yeah. It's super sad to see. Cause I was like, I know that she doesn't make it through many movies. I know that she dies at some point but i wonder if it's gonna oh she died <laughs> you know uh, i was did. kind of going through it i wasn't sure if she was gonna but it's like yeah you got diana riggs she's not gonna come back later on i'm like maybe they recast her but um yeah nope. i guess but the weird humbug. thing is he like has this moment where she's like oh no she's okay she's just taking a rest like james
0: wake oh, up that's that's some weird shit yeah. i hate that that's a bad choice yeah um I mean, he should be like, oh, she hit her right on the dash. Terribly sorry, I'm afraid. You know? Uh, okay. Villain, we have very differing opinions on this. I think it's... Okay. Telly Savalas, awesome actor. Decent and menacing portrayal at times. Shittily developed in the script and really lays into the doctor evilness of it all, which makes me think, like, you're not a threatening villain to me. Mm. Four frank
1: yeah i i gave him a seven i i think for i guess the opposite reason in that like it's interesting that he is playing blofeld uh you know he's got the cat but he doesn't have the scar and like he's like he's got this deep voice which is so different than like you know at least like um
0: miss your yeah, pleasance, oh, pleasance and
1: and also um Christoph Waltz like totally yeah. different right so like i liked his presence in the film his like his uh gravitas i guess and i liked that he was fighting bond and he kind of was a physical antagonist in a lot of ways and like yes but yeah his and i guess like what what i said before with the plot i kind of bought it more than you did so that's why I buy him more and his, his villainy a little bit more um, the fact that it's like so quickly unraveled is is very Dr. Evil esque but again this happened 30 years before that movie was written
0: okay uh, the physical antagonist there is none for me right there is no who's the guy
1: um, he, he fights um, that black guy in the hotel room don't know his name. He also, um, in a way, maybe Bunt, her. whatever her name is, she could be seen as a physical. But I don't think they fight. No,
0: she's like a hench lady.
1: She's a hench she's lady. Like... A <laughs> lunch lady. Um, she's a hench
0: l- lunch lady. Um, No, there, there really no isn't f- one. Yeah, so... It's not even like
1: there's like a squad of fembombs. He does
0: he he does fight like the fight sequences and the way he fights is cool. Like he was about to be in the he was the day Bruce Lee died, was the day Lazenby was gonna be on set making in Bruce Lee's last movie. Hmm. Um, So like he can do good action, but. You know, they don't showcase it well. The Bond performance, three.
1: Wait, 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 back up. So physical antagonist, you gave a three, I gave a four. Um, Bond performance, you gave three, I gave seven. Again, this is where we're, like, totally different. You liked him. What do you like about him? Well, I I guess I just, I believe him as Bond. Like, I I think he's, like, portraying the character in the way that I feel like... You know, you know Sean Connery would do. I I don't think he has any like. There's there's no big thing. I'm like, wow, Bond wouldn't do that, or like that doesn't sound like him. Like, like he does the things. He's got his drink. He plays cards. He's he's got swagger, and he kind of like. You know, he can flirt with the ladies and still like fight. So
0: when so when he's like. I don't know. I, ju- I think I like him doing the more classic Bond stuff, and I don't like where he deviates and gets all mushy-eyed. Yeah. Where, like, he when he's playing Baccarat, you can kind of, I b- totally believe it, because that's, like, a Bond I've seen in Bond I know. I don't know if I get him in a love montage with the lady. I don't know if I get him... Uh, running the way that he does from the second act and from the big, uh, house. And he's like trying to get away from them. So scared, like, and then he meets the girl. He's like, Oh my darling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Okay um do you think that so okay i think you're right though that had he gotten a second movie maybe we would think of him differently yeah do you think that the legacy of this movie you know the way that this movie kind of comes and goes what they do after this movie uh i mean i mean how cool would it be they could remake this movie they could remake
1: this movie it would be kind of a a slap in the face to this movie but (laughs) they could (laughs) um and like I think that's why, for me, I scored Legacy higher in that it's like, it's the only one with Lazenby. They tried to change things, and then they, you know, kind of reverted back, and then they changed things, but they still recognize it as a part of their, like, history. And all the stuff with him, um, with Tracy, has a ripple effect for the next several movies. Um, And to me, that's like, and because like the the relationship they have there, kind of informs what happens in the Daniel Craig movies. So I feel like it has some significance, and like I don't think you can just like brush it under the rug like and just skip it. You
0: know? No, I I agree with you. They have to rectify it. Um, so special effects, I think five. I think they're 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 decent. Yep, um, I gave it five too. And I think score, I don't like this one in terms of what Barry did. And, and I think that it's just very cut and paste and like, it's just like some guy acting to the James Bond theme.
1: I kind of liked it. I feel like it had its own theme. I, there was, I think there's like one big moment where they kind of bring in the the main theme, which I I guess is like the way they were doing it. They're trying to like, parse it out and, like, not use it all the time because it probably would feel overused, but I would have liked more. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean we have a pretty wide gap here. I, I gave it a 57, you gave it a 39. Um, it's it's not mine. Yeah, my... this is
0: tied for me with Die Another Day. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't like it. I thought it was just, like, poorly executed, poorly made, didn't make me happy. It made me fall asleep a couple times. Um, yeah, no yeah uh, i mean
1: it's not my lowest rated but it's pretty bottom of the barrel like
0: so like that's the thing
1: i liked it more than you but i'm not saying i loved it like it's still pretty low and um
0: no but like the rest of the movie's like i don't know i'm curious to see i'm glad we watched it now because it'll puts in context what will happen in diamonds are forever and what's coming up next, next. And also next, right- next, and next, next. next.
1: <laughs> we have a lot of movies to watch still. It's going to inform all of them. <laughs> no. Um, I'm wondering, like maybe we talk about this off the podcast, but like, should we just go into diamonds are forever? Sound no. like, no, we can't do that because we haven't watched the rest of Connery.
0: No, I want it to be in context of the other Connery movies. I want his performance to count. As was one arc unleashed under the Saltzman broccoli franchise. And I, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to look at the context we have now, but coming up next, what are we doing next?
1: So next, uh, we are taking another detour, uh, and we're going to be talking about Austin Powers, the spy who me. Um, we tossed around when it was appropriate to watch it. Like what, what was going to be the, the best comparison or whatever, you know, we, when we watched the first uh, Austin Powers, we just threw it in after Brosnan because we were like itching for it. And now we've watched enough of Bond that we feel like, okay, we can, we can go for it. And to me, the biggest reason is like this movie was made in 1969 and Austin Powers goes to 1969. And I feel like there's more thematically uh, that we could talk about and It's my favorite Austin Powers movie, but, um, so I'm excited about that. And then after that, we're going into Roger Moore, uh, starting with Live and Let Die. Um, and a special guest and a special guest.
0: So I, I think what we're trying to say is thank you for tuning in. If you've been listening to the James Bond movie discussions, it's been super duper, duper, duper fun to do with you guys. Uh, really have been enjoying the whole process, getting to watch the movies and the other ephemera and, take part in the fandom with you so thank you um and uh we want to tell you that if you would like to find the podcast you know you can do it on any of the big podcasting apps you know whether that's apple spotify stitcher uh you can google we are all over that uh if you'd like to send us a message you can email us info at net. you can find us on the socials at llh podcast facebook instagram and twitter um Frank, any last words?
1: Uh, rate and review the podcast if you can, if you like, if you're enjoying what we're doing with Bond. Um, if you're sick and tired of Bond and we're like, where's everything else? Please tell us. Um, but that's why we're trying to throw in some Austin Powers to, to lighten the mood. And um, You know, if if any movies ever come out this summer, we will try to see them and talk about them then. But... You know, bear with us as we continue on this James Bond dir- journey.
0: I mean, we could talk about it real quick. We're super bummed that we can't see Tenet in the big theater at Lincoln Square. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's our main theater where we got to see Avengers 1 and 2. Um, and it's a really nice and amazing place to experience. It's Christopher Nolan's place where he premieres all the movies on the island of Manhattan. Uh, it's, it's kind of tailored to all the movies he makes. Um, yeah, I'm sure. super bummed that we're not going to be able to experience that there. I also think that they could benefit from pushing this movie back a little bit and waiting until people can actually do that. Yeah. Uh, it's
1: weird to me that he's like trying to, to hold his ground and be like, Oh, we got to release it. It's like, why don't you just wait? And when people are more comfortable and like it's,
0: it's that, yeah, <sighs> it's making him a little crazy. And I hope that he kind of thinks about the global position everybody's in and, and thinks about his movie. I get that he's trying to get his, you know, his shot in here, but it's not to say that people are ignore his movies. They go are huge blockbusters. They don't go, yeah. Yeah. People will see this movie. Also, I agree that it has to come out in the theater. So if the intended way of viewing it is to be in the, in the dark with a bunch of strangers, then let people be happy about doing that. Yeah. And like, not just doing it to be a dick. Who knows? We'll
1: see. Well, hopefully it'll come out. Maybe it'll come out this year. Maybe. Um, So, but that's that. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode. Um, We will be back next week and the week after and the week after that. And uh, we'll catch you then. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Bye. Bye.